Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, family, if you got a Bible, go ahead and meet me in John chapter four. That's what we'll be this morning. John chapter four. I'm just going to read verses one through six, but I want you in your own time to read that whole chapter. I love this chapter in John chapter four, uh, as we're going to walk through it today. Uh, just by way of reminder, we started a new series called The Struggle is Real, but dot, dot, dot. And what we're looking at is different struggles that all of us deal with, things that we go through in our lives on a day-to-day basis, and we struggle with all of these different things in our minds, in our hearts, in our emotions. And, and the reason we're looking at this and we're walking through this series is because during this pandemic, I keep telling y'all every week, I believe that God is up to something, and I don't want us to miss it. Which means that in this season, we got to do some hard work. We have to grapple with some things that we don't normally want to grapple with and and walk through. So we're going to talk about different issues in our lives, different struggles that we deal with. And we're going to, so to say, I like to say, peel the covers back a little bit on our hearts and, and look at those things that drive us. Look at those things that we are passionate about. And I want to evaluate them a bit. I want to, I want to see what God's doing there. What, what are the struggles that we deal with? And then hopefully give us some steps to walk practically through that, uh, through our walks with Jesus. And if we're seeking Jesus, what does it look like to kind of lay those things at his feet and say, Jesus, I need you in this season? Because, again, I don't want us to miss what he's doing. It's so easy to miss him in the midst of everything that's going on with COVID-19 and the news and social media and everything that's going on in our hearts. But I don't want us to miss God in this season because he's at work and he's up to something. Amen, somebody. Amen. John chapter four, verses one through six. I wish I could tell y'all if you got it, say got it. But John chapter four, verses one through six. Here now the reading of God's word. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, now near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was the sixth hour. Very word of God. Amen. Today, I want to talk about The struggle with significance. The struggle with significance. Before we go further, let's pray. Father God, I just ask right now that in this time that you would have your way. That you would remove me, decrease me, Lord, so that you can be heard. That your word can go forth. Father, I just ask you to get glory in this place. Everything that's said and done, may you be uplifted in this moment. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that we all said together, amen. Amen. Well, family, when I looked up the word significance in the dictionary, because I didn't want to just give you my own definition, I actually looked up the word and it gave me two definitions here. This Number one, it says the quality of being worthy of Attention 
or importance. Number two, it says the meaning to be found in words or events. Again, that's the quality of being worthy of attention or importance. And number two, the meaning to be found in words or events. Now, I'm going to keep it simple this morning. And I'm just going to ask you with those two definitions that I just read. And I want us to be honest. I want us to be honest. Does that resonate at all with you right now? On on a personal individual level, do those definitions resonate with you on a heart level? Does it does it hit you in a certain place? See, see what I want you to do this morning. I want all of us to do is I want us to ponder through our time this question. Where do I find my worth? Who do I find my worth in? What what is it that I look to to find my worth? And and I I want us to question our our motives a bit. As I said in the beginning, I I wanna I wanna peel back the cover of our heart a little bit. And I wanna I wanna think through what are those things that drive us. I wanna think through those things that when I think about this person or I think about this, that's where I find my worth. Significance. Significance. In the text, verse one, it says Jesus is wearied from the journey. And my man, Jesus, I love Jesus. He he goes into this town, Sychar, Samaria, and he he goes to sit at this well. Now, you got to pay attention to the text. It says that it's the the sixth hour, which would have been midday. It's the hottest part of the day. The sun is up in the sky. So really, nobody's out in the land. My man, Jesus is 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 parched. Y'all, he's thirsty. So Jesus goes and he sits at the well and he's sitting there because he wants a drink of water. Now, if you read the text, the disciples have gone. They left Jesus there. He's sitting at the well. And my man's thirsty. And 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 just a little background on this. Jews didn't go through Samaria. There's a 700 year old hatred between uh, Jews and Samaritans up to this point because the Assyrians intermarried, intermarried with the uh, uh, Israelites. They took over them. And, and so Jews call Samaritans half breeds and Samaritans don't like them. It's a racist hatred. They do not like each other. So Jews would travel on in about hours on end around the town of Samaria to get to Galilee on the other side. They would not go through Samaria because they did not like these people that much. They were very divided. So there's this 700-year-old hatred, and Jesus goes out in the middle of the day, and he's sitting there because he's tired, and he's thirsty, and he's sitting at the well. And then here comes this woman in the middle of the day, hottest part of the day, to come draw water from the well. Now hear me, women did not draw water in the middle of the day because it's the hottest part of the day. They would come out in the morning when they knew that nobody was there, it's cool outside, they can hang out a little bit, be around each other before the day actually started. And they go home and they have water throughout the day. So this woman is coming here in the middle of the day because she's been ostracized from society. She has a, a sexual past, whether, whether it be adultery or sleeping with different men. She's had five different husbands. And the man that she's sleeping with right now or living with is not her husband in her house. So she's coming out in the middle of the day. Nobody wants to talk to her. She's ostracized and she's coming to the well because that's the time of the day that she's not going to be bothered with anybody else. Nobody's going to say anything about her. Nobody's going to talk about her. She doesn't have to speak to anybody. She could go get her water and then go home. So she comes to the well expecting nobody to be there. Jesus is sitting at the well. Now, Jesus doesn't do anything ever by accident. Jesus is sitting at the well and Jesus does not 
introduce himself as Jesus, the son of God, the savior of the world. No, he talks to the woman and he asks her, he engages her. He says, can you give me some water? And I can picture at this moment, she's got one of them smiles on her face like, I can't believe you. (laughs) You just asked me for some water. In fact, she says that in the text. She said, you're a Jew. Why would you ask me a Samaritan for some water? And Jesus is like, look, if you knew who I was, <laughs> you would ask me for water, living water. And so what I don't want you to miss, though, family, here is that Jesus is crossing so many lines to talk to this woman. There is a racial hatred here. There is a a historical hatred. She's a woman. So men at that time, they did not talk to women in public if they weren't with their wives. So he's crossing that gender line with her. She has sin and he has no sin. He's perfect. So he's crossing that line with her. In fact, in the text, he knows that she has sin. He says, you got, you, you've had five husbands and a man, you go get your husband. And, and she's like, I, 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 he's like, yeah, the one you with is not your husband. He, he tells her about her life. He knows that she has all these things going on. But yet, hear me, family, he's intentional about crossing the line and meeting her. He doesn't let anything stop him from engaging her and then asking her for water. Now, what am I getting at? Don't miss this. When he asked her for water... And he sits there. He's engaging her in conversation. First, he engages her. Don't miss this. By engaging her and then, then after that, asking her for some water. You know what he did for her? He made her significant in that moment. Nobody else wanted to be around her or talk to her. But yet Jesus, a Jew, all these lines between them, stops and says, can I have some water? has a full conversation with her all day long. And because of that family, she's significant in that moment. And watch what happens in the text. Later on in the text, she leaves and she goes and tells everybody else. And there's a revival that breaks out in the land because Jesus took time to engage her and ask for water. She was significant in that moment. Family, again, where do you find your significance? Where's your worth coming from? Jesus in this passage lets us know that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your gender, what you've done, your status on down the line. Your worth doesn't come from anything or anybody else other than God. Hear me. You will never be more significant than how God already sees you. You are significant and worthy to him. This is why Jesus steps out of heaven comes down here and dies for us. This is why God throughout the whole Old Testament is chasing after his people, wanting us back. And then up to this day, he hasn't left us. He's still with us and he still wants us to come to him. He wants us to know him. He wants us to fall in love. He wants his creation, his children back. I've said this before, but as believers, family, we're fully approved in Jesus, which means that we work from approval, not for approval. That's good news. That means that you don't have to do anything to be found as worthy or significant in his eyes. You already are. That's good news. With that said, y'all, I'm excited. I could preach a whole sermon on significance. I could go into many different areas, but I'm not going to do that this morning. I I got a treat for you guys this morning. I'm excited about uh, what we're going to do next. 
Um, was part of my vision in the series, The Struggle is Real, was I, I would be preaching, but it also, uh, as we're talking about struggles, I would love to bring people in to actually talk about their struggles, talk about the triumphs and the victories of walking through this struggle, and then how are they dealing with it now. And so that's part of what we're going to do today. And so without further ado, I got my girl, Alia Deweese here in the house, and um, I always want to say Aaliyah because um, I heard she got a voice like Aaliyah, but I've yet to hear it yet. She's holding out on me, y'all, but we're going to hear her one day, but Aaliyah Deweese, I'm excited to hear from her today, and she uh, she's a, a, a resident on our staff now, so she's in ministry. She's been speaking all over the, the nation in different places, sharing her testimony. And you guys, uh, you're, you're in to hear something great. And I pray that it will encourage you um, and challenge you today, too, as we talk through uh, the struggle with significance. Um, so I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about herself. But before we get into that, I do want to say this. If you have children in the house at this time, I don't, I don't, I don't want to introduce a conversation in your house that you haven't, you're not ready to do yet or ha- have yet. Okay. So I don't need any emails from y'all talking about Pastor D. It's your fault that this happened. Okay. I love y'all, but I want that to happen. So here's the reality. I have five kids too, and we're going to be talking about sexual assault, um, different uh, sexual past, different things like that uh, in her testimony. So if you have children, this is the time right now to have them go and do RC kids online, um, or have them leave the room. And so that's up to you as parents. But, um, again, if you're not ready to have that conversation with them, I I don't want to introduce something in your house that they're not ready for, but I don't want you to miss it too. So make sure you're here as we walk through this conversation and talking about significance with her. Without further ado, Aliyah, how you doing? I'm glad you're here. It, can you just just tell us a little about yourself and just um, what what's what's brought you to Chicago? Um, where are you from? How, how you enjoying the city, ministry, Moody? Uh, I know we're in the midst of COVID, but you know, just just tell me a little bit about yourself. Let us know a little bit about you. Yeah, um, you know, I'm Alia. I've been in Chicago. Uh, Chicago area for about two and a half years now, Um, Chicago itself and renewal since August. Uh, I'm from Los Angeles area, uh, California, um, specifically Ventura, California, um, Central Coast, uh, just north of Malibu. Um, Yeah, I'm about to enter my junior year at Moody. I'm a human services major, Uh, came here as an urban men major, kind of has like you know, jumped around there and tried to figure out exactly, you know, where God was calling me and how I could, you know, best use my education to um, pursue the, the life that he's, you know, laid in front of me. Um, yeah, I'm super excited to be here. I'm super stoked to talk to you guys and just tell you a little bit about myself and what God's done in my life and what he's continuing to do. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Um, and I will say this before we jump into E more, because uh, I know some of y'all are thinking it. Look, we're way more than six foot apart from each other. Okay, so we are abiding by the law, and uh, but I'm glad that she's got to be able to come in here with us um, and, and share a little bit about her story. So, with that said, what 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 shaped your your journey with significance? Where's that struggle come from? Where where were you finding significance maybe growing up or even to this day? Like, tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, um, I think like most people, 
when we're growing up, we're looking to our parents, right? We're looking to our parents for um, what's important in life, uh, what makes me a person, what is valuable about me, what's valuable about you, um, and how can I live up to that, uh, just like any other kid. And so for me, uh, I really looked at my mom, and my mom was, is just super beautiful. Um, We've done a lot of work in our relationship, and we're at a point now that's just incredible, and I'm so grateful for that. But uh, when I was a kid and when I was a teenager and even in my early 20s, that was not the case. And uh, although my mom was just ridiculously um, gorgeous, she uh, placed a really high importance on sexuality, on money, on... um, getting what she wanted from people at, uh, at their cost and to her benefit. Um, I saw a lot of my mom, uh, you know, playing men for what she could get off of them. Um, there was definitely a lack of uh, affirmation. I kind of always felt like I had been in the way and I was cast off. I spent most of the time with my grandparents and, um, you know, when I would get to uh, be with my mom, which was something I wanted so badly, um, always kind of felt like I was in the way. And so that was, um, that was big for me. Um, my mom had been a, uh, like a hustler type model. Um, So she had this giant uh, photo of herself, like an X-rated photo of herself up above her bed. And so that was something that, like, I thought, okay, these are the things that are important. Looking like this, acting like this, um, this is how I'm going to be valuable. So, and from really, really young, I remember that at like three or four. And around that time... um, one of her boyfriends uh, started sexually abusing me on a pretty regular basis. Um, And because I had this distorted sense already at such a young age of um, what it meant to be female, um, what it meant to be important, how you were supposed to act around people, um, while I knew that I didn't like what was happening to me and I wasn't okay with it, uh, it gave me a sense of value. Uh, I really believed that... um, okay, this is happening to me because I'm important. This is happening to me because I'm desirable. And that was something that I continued and carried on. Um, you know, after that abuse stopped when I was five or six, um, I sought out ways to be sexualized. Like as a eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 year olds, those were positions that I continued to put myself in because I so believed that origin of significance. Um, yeah, so as I, like, moved into being 12, 13, 14, uh, I started only surrounding myself with people who would, um, feed that understanding of significance that I had. Um, by the time I was 13 or 14, I was running away, uh, I was living with my grandma, I was running away, you know, almost every night, whether, whether she knew it or not, and, um, I would leave, and I had met this guy who was uh, in his late 20s. Um, and at the time, you know, I thought, you know, this is, this is my boyfriend. This is somebody who loves me. Um, and I was already so sexualized and so groomed for this kind of behavior that when he started picking me up in the middle of the night and dropping me off at somebody's house and telling me, go in, you have sex with them, you come back out, you give me the money, that didn't seem like, you know, that far off from what my life um, had already led up to at that point. It kind of just seemed to, um, 
to, you know, go with that, with that flow and, and what I had been set up for. Um, and what I found in that was um, the more money I made, the more I was told I was valuable. Um, the more I was told that I was beautiful, the more I was told that I was worth something. And it was so in line with what I had seen um, from my mom, from you know the men that she had in her life and how they valued her. Um, yeah, that that didn't seem like, uh, it didn't seem like what it was. You know, I didn't even know that uh, I had been trafficked until I was like 20. I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't have a word for sexual abuse till I was like 10. Um, so at the time, uh, I really felt like this is this is it for me, and that's okay. This is um, how I'm supposed to get worth. And I, I would see other people in school, and they would um, they would be good students, and and they would get good marks, but it seemed like no matter how hard I tried, uh, that was never going to be enough. And obviously, I had I had issues of trauma and things that made um, you know made school hard for me, so that wasn't an option to get significance. This seemed like the only place that um, just being myself and being what I knew uh, made me valuable. Wow, wow! Thanks for sharing all of that. I mean such a young age to just be introduced. And I mean, that's part of my story too. And just, just learning sex at a very young age and wow. Um, but, and I do want to say this family, um, I know we're in the midst of COVID-19, but if you check any statistics, um, sexual assault, uh, rape, sex trafficking, um, even domestic abuse, all of those are going up in terms of statistics right now in the midst of this season. So, as COVID-19 is going on, I think sometimes we can um, almost forget and overlook some of the other issues that are happening in society right now and what other people are dealing with. And so I want us to always remain prayerful for everything that's happening. Even in our city, the murder rate is, is increased more than last year during this season, too. So there's a lot happening. Um, and so as you hear her testimony right now, I want you to be thinking about your own struggles with significance, but also be thinking about what's happening in our city and how we can be praying. Um, and, and she'll share too, but if you want to jump in and help or any, any kind of way, she serves with several different organizations um, with women that have been trafficked here in the city. Um, Chicago, I think, is one of the highest um, areas where sex trafficking is happening. So um, she'd love to share more with you about that. But uh, until then, I want to jump back into her story a little bit. So hey, you, you talked about this being as a young kid being introduced to this, your mom having the picture up and then, um, you know, up to from eight to 14, you know, just um, then being trafficked and sleeping um, with an older man. Um, all of this that was happening. Like, can you let us in a little bit uh, on that kind of lowest point, like when you were just struggling with significance, like where did that? Where did significant that that struggle with significance and striving for worth? Where did that take you to? Yeah. Um, so by the time I was eighteen, I just completely believed um, all of the lies that I had told myself and that I'd been hearing about myself um, from the men that I'd surrounded myself with. Uh, and so around eighteen, I um, just fully went into like commercial sex industry. Uh, so uh, I did hardcore porn prostitution, um, 
exotic dancing. And that was, you know, almost the next 10 years uh, of my life. And um, while in that time, uh, I had a friend who started taking me to church, um, actually a friend from the industry um, who started taking me to church. I, uh, I would go but then I would like run away during the week and I would like put my church face on. Everybody knew what I was doing. This wasn't something for me that I was trying to hide. Um, this, was, this was my life. This was my lifestyle. It was all over my social media. This wasn't um, like it was a shameful thing, but it was almost like I had the mentality of like, I'm in control of my victimization now, you know? So, um, so I would show up at church and... Uh, I would run from church during the week. Um, But something had started happening to me. Uh, Every time I would go to church, I would just cry. Mm. I would just cry. And so for four years, I showed up almost every single Sunday, um, let them love on me, cried during worship, cried during service, (laughs) um, dipped out before anybody could hug me. They'd be in the parking lot waiting to hug me, and I wouldn't return anybody's phone calls during the week uh, for four years. And, um, but... You know, that leading a double life or, or having two sides of yourself that are just pulling in opposite directions, um, you know, only leads to like going deeper and deeper, I think, into, uh, into sin and into loss and um, guilt and shame. And so um, for me at that point, uh, I was really getting my significance from the amount of money that I was making. Um, so if I made a lot of money that night, it made I was really it meant I was really beautiful, which meant I was really worthy. Mm. And if I didn't make a lot of money, then clearly I was worth nothing that day. Wow. So like my value could change, um, could change by the day. It changed on what um, you had to say or he had to say or uh, whoever had to say something about me. Um, really, more than anything, it was tied to what the man I was with at the time had to mm. say. Uh, if he said I was doing a good job, if he said I was you know, holding it down, if he said that I was, you know, making him proud, um, then that father wound that I, I had was, um, you know, starting to heal. Um, and I was getting my significance from that. Mm. Um, you know, at that point in my life, getting uh, sexually assaulted was something that I expected on a, on a pretty regular basis. Wow. Um, was a hazard of the job and and I had almost learned like um, that rape and sexual assault were almost a way of believing that you were more desirable uh-huh. like my perspective and my perception on um, on my own right to say no to something uh, were so skewed mm. um, at the you know at the end of, of this part of my life, um, it had gotten so bad that it was a daily task to try and keep um, like the veil over my eyes, you know, to try and keep myself um, continuing to believe those lies. God had started doing such a work on my heart that the things that were I was telling myself um, like this is working, those things all started crumbling down and. Um, I was, you know, I was having to work every single night, um, something that I hadn't had to do before. I was uh, giving my money to um, a guy. It kind of, you know, reminded me of things that were going on when I was 14, 15, 16, um, and a lot less 
uh, of the times when I thought like I have this together right now. Mm. Um, I was wow. supporting my uh, boyfriend's heroin habit. I was, um, you know, in a a really bad custody battle, um, and I got to the point where I was just like, like this is it. I can't, I can't do this wow. anymore. And it's either. Um, I've got to do something different uh, and, and didn't know what that possibly could be uh, or I was just, you know, just going to be done because it was too hard to keep trying to find my significance in these things. I just couldn't work that hard any longer. Mm. Um, yeah. So it took you to a place to just a, just a bottle. It yeah. was just like, I'm, I'm here and I don't have anywhere else to turn. It, it's got to be more life than this, essentially. And um, so tell me more about that. Like, what yeah. what happened after that? Where did you go from there? Mm-hmm. Um, my only answer was uh, to turn to the church. Mm. Um, I called one of, uh, one of the women um, who pastored the church that I had been... Uh, peeking in and out of. And, and at that time, like I had not accepted Christ. I didn't know that I hadn't accepted Christ, but I had not. Uh-huh. I thought like, okay, I believe that, you know, Jesus was a real person. He was probably the son of God. Like these things happened. Uh, but that was like the extent of my belief. Yeah. Um, I hadn't invited him into my heart. I, you know, kind of had a relationship with him that was like what I understood of a father. Right. You know, he's, he's real, he's out there, but there are much more important things than me mm-hmm. and who I am. Um, and that was okay for me at that point. I didn't have anger towards God, I didn't have anger um, towards the church. I genuinely understood that I didn't have enough value for wow. Christ to care about me, and I was okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point, uh, I told myself, like, let's just try this. I had known um, only one girl who had ever left the industry and uh, been successful at starting a new life. And um, I had seen her, you know, photos of her get engaged to a guy she met at seminary and, like, just had this knowledge of, like, whatever she did, like, that worked. It was still very much like a workspace. I'll, I'll work um, hard to get to get better to change my life. Um, I'll give up all of these things, and um, and so I did that. And I I followed in her footsteps, and I came out here um, to like this family of women that uh, uh, were there to build me up. And and it was for me, it was my first day there that I accepted Christ. It was within my first fifteen minutes of being over there, um, and they prayed for me, and I just. Like in that moment, I knew, uh, I knew that the truth was was in Scripture. I'd never opened a Bible before in my life, um, and I just I knew that that was that was where all the truth was. And as I started to journey like through the Bible, and I came across women like this woman at the well, like Rahab, um, like Tamar, you know Esther, and, and the men, and got to see that like. The wow. Lord chose these imperfect people yeah. to tell his story through, wow. to birth his son. You know, that, um, that passage that's like the lineage of, of grace where yeah. it names all of these women and men and they were just messed up people that yeah. he chose to bring his son into the world through. Um, I started to really uh, believe that, you know, maybe, 
maybe I could be one of those people. And um, there's this moment that in that woman at the well story, and it talks about um, how she leaves her jug there. Like she doesn't like gather her stuff and go back into town to tell people like nothing else mattered at that point. But telling people about um, this man that she had met. And the thing about this story that I felt so touched by was like he told her everything she ever did. Mm. He didn't say like go back and get cleaned up, go back and present yourself, repent of your sins, um, and then come back and we'll talk some more. Uh, Like he named her sin. He said, this is true. This stuff is true about you. But it didn't make her any less worthy to be talked to, to be um, given this living living water. Uh, In fact, like this was the perfect person to him. You know, he could have talked to anybody. He knew she would be there. Um, And... I just felt like, um, like for the rest of my life, I want to like emulate what she did. That like I just want to keep running back into town, you know. Mm. Like he doesn't ask you to, um, to pick up your drug and take it back with you. Like, and I, I just when I think of that, like wow. I think of all my stuff, you know, all of that stuff. And uh, like he changed everything that was valuable about her, all of her significance, um, and it, and it was in an instant. Yeah. You know, it was in an instant. Um, like, I don't, I don't think that she probably uh, went back into town and, and everything was perfect again. You know, there was a lot that needed to happen after that, I'm sure. And, um, and yet that didn't make her less capable or less worthy of carrying the message because it wasn't like a worthiness that she earned. Yeah, yeah. It was a worthiness that was given to her. That's good. That's good. That's good news. I mean, just the fact that you you don't have to take your jug back with you. You can leave all your mess here at the foot of the, of the cross, and Jesus is like, and and just take me back with you now. That's that's some good news. Um, so so as we get ready to end here, I want you to just just share a little bit more of us with us. How how do you how do you keep going forward now? You know, um, and in that, I'd love for you to just kind of um, give us summation in terms of. What would you say to somebody that's struggling in this um, significance with the significance idol and trying to find significance? So, you know, well, how are you doing now? Like, how do you keep going? And then what, what would you say to someone else? Yeah. Um, like it's, there are times that it's really hard. Uh, you know, I'm battling 25, 26 years of, of lies that I've told myself, that I let other people tell myself, that I've fed out and, and yeah. searched for. Um, and there are times that, that those lies get really loud. Mm. But, you know, I made that decision to believe that Scripture was truer than my lies. Wow. Um, and so for me, like, the only way to battle that stuff is to know if it doesn't say it in here, if it doesn't say it in this book, then it's not true. Mm. It's not true. It's not real. Um, and I just have to surround myself that by stuff that's edifying. And that was, I mean, that was a, an awakening for me. Um, God kind of put me in this bubble when I first got saved uh, where I didn't really have to struggle with the world. Um, and that was exactly what I needed at the time. But it kind of led to this false understanding that like, cool, I've been saved, like the Lord has washed me clean and I'm not gonna struggle with these things that were strugg- that I used to struggle with. You know, I'm not gonna want to have attention from men anymore. I'm not gonna 
care about the way I look. I had struggled with an eating disorder in my entire life. I thought I'm not going to deal with that anymore. Um, and it was a rude awakening when I realized mm. that like my salvation and my sanctification um, didn't come at the same time. And there was something that I had to continue to struggle with. You know, the struggle was still real. Yeah, um, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but like what an understanding of Christ um, that I came to when I understood that when he met me at like my own personal well, he didn't just know the things that I had done. He knew all the things that I was going to wow, do um, and still saw me as significant enough um, to show up for. Mm. Um, yeah, and you know, there's a, there's a piece of me that knows that like even though those things kind of worked, um, they worked in the short term. They, they fed the lie. Um, they fed my understanding. Uh, I had to go back more and more often. Um, but there's a piece of me that knows that if I were to go back to them now, it wouldn't work. Mm. That once I've had that uh, living water, wow. you know, the regular water just won't satiate anymore. Mm. Um, and just for, for the person that's, you know, still really battling with this, which I think honestly all of us do in our own way at our own time. Um, I was really into reading um, a lot of stuff from Christine Kane when I first got saved. She had a lot of stuff on like shame and, and letting go of your burdens. And um, she had this uh, quote and it said, uh, sometimes when you're in a dark place, you think that you're being buried, but really you're being planted. Wow. And that was just so true for myself and, and for so many of my friends, I know that, that the Lord had something so close for them right around the bend in the times that they felt the most alone, um, the least worthy. And, uh, and on top of that, like the Lord, like he didn't want anything from me. He, I, I don't even know how much he wanted her to draw up water from that well. Mm. I don't know if that was just a, reason for like him to talk to her, a reason to like be able to say all of these things he knew from her and a reason to offer her something. Like I, I believe that he didn't want anything from her. He wanted to give her something. He had something for her. And, um, and that was, you know, that message that your significance doesn't come from, um, from who you are, from where you're from, um, from what your past is, the things that you've, the things that you've done, what you've gone through. Um, it comes from, you know, what been, what's been done for you. Um, yeah. That's good news. Thanks so much. That was amazing. Thanks for sharing your story yeah. and even taking us to the cross. And so with that family, as we get ready to end the day, I, I want you to hold on to the words that she said, uh, that, that Jesus doesn't want anything from you. He wants to give you something. And, and I believe that if we're struggling with a significance idol or issue in our lives, as she already eloquently said, Here's the reality. You're already significant to God. He already sees us as worthy and he wants us to know that. Uh, the Psalms tells us that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. That means that God spent time on us. Scripture tells us that he knows every hair on our head as well as knowing all the stars by name. And if that's true, family, he thinks we're all unique. He loves us just the way we are. And he's saying, come to me. And as she said, put that jug down. So I can give you life, living water, and you can go back and run hard for me throughout the rest of your life. Here's the reality. Family, that struggle doesn't end, as she said. 
we still battle with it. The struggle is real. But as I've continued to tell you every week, even though the struggle is real and we're going through a time with COVID and we're dealing with the issues of our heart, God is greater. God's greater. He still wins the battle. He still wants you. He's still working in our hearts. And hear me, I don't want us to miss anything that he has in store for us. Amen. Amen. The struggle is real, but God is greater. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. You're an awesome God. God, we give you this time. We give you our hearts. We give you our struggles. Specifically, this morning was to significance. God, I pray if there's folks that need prayer in this place, uh, that even if they're meeting you for the first time like that woman at the well, God, I pray that they would not leave this space without getting prayer, uh, without knowing that they're loved by you. And God, because you are, you're available, you're with us, you're nearer than ever before right now in the midst of hard times. So God, as we get ready for communion, Lord Jesus, I pray that we will not forget you, but we will remember you. God, if there's someone here that's given their life to you for the first time, I'm excited that they get to dine with us for the first time during communion. But Lord, I just pray that um, you continue to work in our hearts. And as I already said, let us not miss a moment of what you're doing in our lives in this season. We love you, Lord. You're a good God. We give you all the glory and all the praise. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 930 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.